0: Cheers to you, my brilliant friend, and welcome to the Intelligent Intoxication Podcast, where I'll get you smashed on success without the buzzkill of burnout. Welcome back, everyone. So today, I believe we are diving into part six of our Intentional Intoxication mini course. Here's what I'd love to talk to you about today. Um, If you already have your book, you'll notice that it is broken up into four main parts. And those four parts collectively are referred to as the intentional intoxication instructions. So here's a little secret. This amazing editor that I hired to help write the book, her name is Lynn Elioff, and her business is called Book to Business. And the really great thing about working with her is she very much helped you break down your book into different parts or steps so that you wouldn't waste time going down rabbit holes and not getting to the end, right? And part of this process is coming up with four steps. And I... Yes. Okay. Four steps. And I will tell you that I made a real mess of this the first time out of the gate. And I was trying to be way too creative. And I instead was coming up with four ingredients for a signature cocktail. Now, I'll come back to that. I'll use that when I launch my course. But again, it was too much for this book. But here's what I want to tell you about these instructions or steps. Just like steps in, let's say, a recipe, They do very much build on one another, right? So, like, if you're baking, there are certain things you have to do in a certain order. So, like, this Thanksgiving, there is a pie that I love to make every year. It's a—okay, wait for it. It's delicious. Kahlua pecan chocolate pie. Oh, lordy mama. It is to die for. To die for. Anyways— I have to do things in order. I've got to prepare my crust first so it can chill for 30 minutes while I make my filling. And then while that's getting made, my daughter makes that part, I can roll out the crust and I can cut out the little leaves to hide the fact that I cannot roll out that fucking crust very well. And so I can hide the ugly crust with my little leaves. Okay. But there are steps and they do build on one another. The same is true in the book. So you have a quick shot of sobering awareness as step one, a splash of acceptance a step two, a top-off of an empowered responsibility a step three. And then finally, step four is intentional intoxication. But here's what I loved about learning these steps myself. I have found myself now when I'm like really trying to figure out. What is going on when, let's say I'm trying to change a habit. Let's say I'm trying to stop a habit, or I'm trying to start a new habit, and I'm admittedly struggling with it, or I'm a little challenged by it. What I always start with is the awareness. And the easiest way to remember this, my friends, is tell myself the truth. For example, this is how I do it with a habit. Let's say I'm in the habit of overspending. I'll be really honest with myself and I'll say, all right, Terry, give me the truth. What is the immediate benefit that you are getting when you overspend, right? And if I'm willing to tell myself the truth, it's a big aha moment. For example, I am trying to escape the fact that what I have to do today is really boring and frustrating and hard, or I feel really restless. And so it seems as if my car is on autopilot to Home Goods, but in reality, I'm escaping to home goods to avoid feeling those emotions. And I get the temporary benefit of escaping them. Okay? I just told myself the truth. When we develop awareness, we're just telling ourselves the truth. Right? It doesn't mean we have to act on it yet, but we're not going to lie to ourselves. You don't have to tell anybody else this, but you've got to tell yourself the truth. Okay? In the case of the book... If you feel like your life is sobering because you don't ever feel or rarely feel lit up or alive or inspired or fulfilled, tell yourself the truth, okay? Just say, yeah, it does feel sobering. I do feel like I'm living a life hangover and just let that be okay. When you get to step two, right? And you get this splash of acceptance. If you accept something, you're willing to stop arguing With what is in front of you, right? And I think the, I don't know, I think the biggest acceptance that I've had to learn in my life whenever I'm in a frustrating or challenging situation or circumstance is owning the part that I played, either in creating the circumstance or in how I've reacted or responded to it. And once we're willing to accept that and we're not blaming ourselves for it, we're just willing to say, I had a hand in this. And here I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The reason we want to do that is if we created this, we can create something better. So that acceptance is so important. In step three, the empowered responsibility, right? Is when we're responsible and we're empowered. We are accountable for or to, and we're answerable to all versions of ourselves: to our past self, to our present self, and to our future self. And that is really powerful because we can then learn from our past self and why he or she made the decisions that, they, that he or she made. We can be present in the moment with our present self instead of escaping into the future all the time. And we can learn from our future self. Like if we're willing to ask ourselves, okay, well, what do I want to have created a year from now, a month from now, a week from now, a day from now, whatever that may be, then what do I need to do now? It is a very empowering place to be. And the great thing about acceptance and awareness and responsibility, it then sets you up for the success of intentionally doing what it is that you want to do. Okay. So here's a couple of questions that I want you to get really curious about. When do you notice resisting telling yourself the truth? It's almost like you're resisting awareness. Okay. When do you notice resisting accepting the part that you played? It might be in a circumstance, it might be in a relationship, it might be in a result, whatever that may be for you. When do you resist the part that you played? Okay. And another question, when do you notice not wanting to take accountability for something? Almost as if you tip into entitlement and said and say, well, no, I deserve this. Instead of realizing, no, it's your role to create that for yourself. Okay? And then, last question, just for now, I will go into these four steps, obviously in depth as we get to them in each chapter, but when do you move through your life in a haphazard, accidental pattern, rather than being deliberate and purposeful? right? Almost like, and I don't know if you're like me, but if you are, sometimes we dip into the haphazard and the accidental choices because then we can say, oops, you know what? I really didn't try my best. Okay, here's what that reminds me of, is that a common problem with gifted learners was procrastination because so many of them struggled with perfectionism. And the thought of not being able to do perfectly on a test or to get a perfect score on a project was so daunting that they would put it off, put it off, put it off, so that if they didn't get the grade or the score that they wanted, they had something to fall back on as an excuse to say, well, you know what, I'm not surprised this happened because you know what? I didn't even study for the test. Or, yeah, I kind of saw this coming because I started studying last night or I started the project last night, right? We do that same thing. Okay, my friends, as always, deeply grateful that you're here. Have an intoxicating rest of your day, and I will be back tomorrow with more.